Welcome into the Esports Network podcast, where we talk about the livelihoods of esports, the players, the people around it, the content creators, everybody who wants to make a living in esports. We find a way to talk about them on the show. Let's welcome in now Rob Davis, a.k.a. Street Taco Eater. He's the founder of Delta V Esports and the director of the Great Esports Tour. Rob Street, thanks for coming on the show, man. Hey, great to be here. I, I, it's a perfect fit. I love what you're doing. And so, Rob, you've been involved with esports, uh, I mean, in a professional sense, we'll say, since 2018. Obviously, been a gamer since, what, 1978, Star Wars Day, I, I guess the year before that. And so, uh, it, it's crazy to me. You've, you founded the, the this this little niche of yours with the Great Esports Tour that I don't think I've ever seen anybody do before. This road trip, this trek you've taken upon yourself. I love it. But we'll get into that in a bit. You, you are obviously founder of Delta V Esports. You helped develop skills in the gaming community that can become, you know, income avenues for people and career opportunities. So you're very obviously super community oriented. And that's that's something that we here on Esports Network, uh, we, we'd love to hear about. We'd love to hear your unique journey that you've been embarking on with this great esports tour. And I just I'm so curious to get into that. But for now, we got to build up from the foundation, right? We got to have a little bit of background since 1978. You've been gaming. But what has intrigued you the most about esports? Well, so I would say just, you know, that quick summary of what you're you're talking about from 1978. I've always been a gamer. My wife and I, we've been married 33 years coming up here in a couple of months. We've raised six kids together and all of my kids and myself have gamed their whole lives. Wow. And so the the relationship building, as well as other things, I mean, my kids played sports and whatnot, but gaming was always something that we had in common and all but but one of my children, my oldest daughter's married with three kids, uh, doesn't really game much. And my wife's not really a gamer, although she is a world-class um she's a world-class words with friends player she's (laughs) almost been unbeaten so anyway so through that time one of the things that really stood out to me was not not only my passion for gaming from when i was young uh from 1978 on i've always played everything that's come out the thing that's really the big draw to me is that the relationships that can be built i know the general perception in the world is you know gaming just causes a lot of conflict and fights and you spend too much time doing it but I found it to be much the opposite. You know, if there were, if we were frustrated with each other or whatever, we could pull up a game, sit down and play and build that strength of relationship and community. And I've seen that evolve from gaming into now what is the pinnacle of sports entertainment for the world of gaming and esports is that this collective passion that is genetically built in its design of culture to be inclusive of everyone everywhere, right? I mean, it's like, I don't care if you're fat, skinny, short, but it doesn't matter. What I care about is that you love my game. If you don't, I may trash talk your game, (laughs) but it builds this this, you know, this love of, of what we do together in a unique way. Not everyone can play soccer. Not everyone can can shoot a basketball or, you know, what, whatever it is. But everyone can pick up a controller or a keyboard and do some level of gaming. And it, and it gives an accessibility to building community that, for me, has been the absolute core of why I'm doing what I'm doing. I love it. And so, obviously, you started up Delta V, but what were you doing before then obviously i come from terrestrial radio i came into esports and that's kind of like not a very common thing obviously in esports we kind of have uncommon paths to get to where we are within the industry how was your path to get into the industry well you know it's um (laughs) so in uh the, the quick version of that is um in 2008 i was working in the software industry um and uh you know a white collar six figure guy 
the economy crashed. I'm giving you the really condensed story. We were essentially had burned through everything. By the end of 2019, we had very little debt. We were in a, in a, in a great position, but we ended up losing everything. In that time, I discovered, and you can go see the founder of CrossFit. I discovered CrossFit. The founder of CrossFit actually asked to, to tell my story. And this was a video out there you can watch if people really want to see that sappy video. Um, and it's, it's the Rob Davis story. If you want to see, I hate that they named it that But the point <laughs> is I discovered this thing called CrossFit. Right. And mm. I thought to myself, we were literally down to a few hundred dollars in the bank, but I saw where this CrossFit thing was going. I could see at the time in 2009, it was still very, very young relatively in the sense of, uh, you know, people really still didn't know what it was. I started that in my garage, ended up kind of ended up losing my home. That's a whole story there in the video. And then we, we were able to, through a bunch of amazing things, uh, open a facility out of the garage because we out kind of expanded the garage. And I fell in love with this CrossFit thing for the next 10 years um, in a way that really surprised me. Not just the potential of growth, because now the CrossFit world is, has, has reached everything in the fitness world to one degree or another. And it caught the industry you know, a well-established industry off guard. But I fell in love with the culture and community and the way that it was set up very deeply. And without getting into all of that, I ended up in the next 18 months building one of the largest top three, top four largest CrossFits in the world. Uh, I sold it in 2016. I've spent uh, years working for the H4HQ at the CrossFit Games, their international uh, competition, CrossFit regionals for many years as a competitive athlete there. But, but first and foremost was the culture of community that was developed um, through the affiliate program, the way that it's structured, all the way through these local pockets. I've probably visited well over 100 affiliates around the world, and it's always that common <laughs> that common element and culture to me is in community is everything. When I, so then when I, when I moved out of that um, and I started really paying attention to what was going on in esports and gaming, as I had for many years, I saw the same potential in this industry, not in terms of just its size, because I'm very open about content that I've put out saying, listen, gaming and esports is the pinnacle example of it, or the you know the entertainment value of it will be the biggest industry in the world. It's just a matter of time. And then I have data that supports all of that, so I don't just make blanket statements that are hyperbolous, right? Like, woo, gaming's going to be because right now it's still. I mean, esports is incredibly small relative to other industries, but I saw the same phenomenon beginning to take place, and. Um, my love of gaming, my passion for the community that surrounded it. And I started to see this competitive element to it. And I'm a fiercely competitive person. I've been a competitive athlete most of my life. And so it was a natural kind of a fit. However, what I saw as the main problem, the main challenge, and I talked to people at all levels of esports and they, they confirmed this, was, you know, the 1% of esports where a lot of the money is being spent, the billions that are being spent in terms of collectively in teams and venues and events and all of that. Um, there was a massive disconnect between the people that were here enjoying careers and opportunities and the people, the masses that wanted to be able to have access to them. And that's what triggered me. That's what I thought to myself, because there's no developed pathway, really. A lot of people are starting to try things. And, and even my discussions with uh, my buddy Alex at Red Bull kind of verified that a lot of people have come and gone. And being able to make that connection, right? Mm -hmm. Delta V esports, Delta V meaning the difference in velocity in terms of rocket science, um, is I wanted to create a program that was very structured and being able to take people from a position that they wanted as an opportunity and accelerate that pathway to actually, can, you know, securing an opportunity in the world of esports and gaming. So that's what Delta V was designed to do. It's it's a full. It, it's really was designed to be a. Um, 
a simulator experience, stage, cameras, production, all of that. So people can come in and get hands-on experience on how to actually shoutcast or do an event tournament or, you know, run a, a production setting, whatnot. So that's kind of, it just came to that deep passion of, um, I've worked with youth for 35 plus years of my life. Uh, I'm very passionate about, about youth and where they're coming from, but just people in general. And <clears throat> that's where Delta V Esports came from. I'm at, as somebody, so very quickly, side note, as somebody who played a lot of Kerbal Space Program, Delta V is like my favorite, like, end-all, be-all number to get a rocket from, you know, Kerbin to the, to the Munner or whatever. I just, it's, it's that go. number. But, um, obviously, Street, you're, you're super community-oriented. So this is going to be kind of a, an interesting question that I just thought up here. Um, what, is it about community that attracts so much, so many people to it? Is it the, the like-minded people kind of joining together? Is it, you know, that sense of choosing a family instead of being born to one? I mean, maybe it's a combination of all those things. What does community mean to you? Uh, great question. And let me, let me put it this way. Like I kind of mentioned before, gaming, <laughs> let's just take gaming, not even esports. Gaming has in its genetic makeup inclusivity. It just is something that across all boards and people and countries and whatever, it's borderless. It doesn't care about anything other than the fact that you enjoy playing that game together. And there's and, and anyone can do it. So setting that aside for just a second, it's it's it we all want to belong to something. Right. We all have that sense of wanting to feel validated and important in human nature. We want to be heard. We want to feel like we do have value uh, somewhere. We all get into whether they're villages, cliques, communities, whatever it is. We like to belong. We really want to belong. And gaming is inherent. And it's like I said, I say this over and over and over. And it's genetic makeup. It's just designed to be inclusive. Um, you know, from the people I know more than probably 20 couples that have been married through online gaming, right? Like they discovered each other there. Friendships, people you know, uh, struggling with mental health issues, people that feel isolated or alone wherever they're at. This community is incredibly welcome, welcoming. Now, it's not without its problems, okay? <laughs> that's a whole other subject as well. But it's, it's, and that's why, you know, I've been on clubhouse discussions with some high-level people doing some, what I think are really, really good things, but then I have others that are, you know, try to kind of bring, one of my frustrations in community, because I am hyper-protective of it, is people that want to bring outside political agendas or different things they feel are happening in the world into the world of gaming. And, and I, for me, it's a pushback of, listen, guys, we already love everyone. We already, I'll trash talk if you don't like Fortnite, I'll, you know, or I do, or I like Call of Duty and you don't, or League of Legends is a dope, you know, I, I mean, those discussions are fun. <laughs> We don't need to bring anything else into it. And so to answer your question, we want to belong. And whether you are, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to say, hey, I like to play hockey. Do you play hockey? We can't really do it together if we don't live in the same region. But anyone can get on and be part of a clan or a community online and, and feel that sense of belonging. And that's the real power that gaming brings that's very, very, very unique. And so, obviously, you've been with Delta V now for for a good long while. It's been, uh, you know, post-pandemic, pre-pandemic, all the good stuff there. But I'm curious, what challenges did you face, or I mean, even if you continue to face them today, working within that industry, you know, starting up Delta V, you know, what challenges did you see people overcome or have to go through, or even you yourself have to kind of experience to you for you to kind of realize, like, well, this is this is a big problem either within the industry or just for me personally right now. Valuation proposition. 
Mm. And what I mean by that is this society in general doesn't value gaming the way that it, it, it deserves to be valued right now. And that's a two sided thing. It's not just the outsiders that don't understand gaming and esports. It's also the people inside that don't treat it correctly. And so, you know, let me give you an example a piece of content I'm going to do on this perception thing. Esports and gaming has a massive perception problem. You know, there was an article recently done about South Korea, South Korea being kind of the the maybe the epicenter of of esports. I mean, it, you know, it's like if you are on an esports team in South Korea, you are a rock star. Right. However, the millions of people that want to be there, um, they're all they only there's only about 200 professional players in South Korea. But you spread it across the team. So the idea that you have an opportunity to be there relative to all the other other opportunities creates this perception that, well, I want to be a professional player. So I'm just going to play for endless hours. I'm going to neglect everything else in my life because I want to make it creates this perception of irresponsibility that gaming is purely wasteful entertainment without a plan. The other side of that is, you know, I came up with a formula. I've done several pieces of content that demonstrates or that that kind of lays out exactly how you can get the support of everyone around you in your gaming pursuits. Um, And it's super simple. You know, we all have so many hours and what you do with those is the formula that I created. So this perception issue is a major, major problem because. The other side of it is that, you know, you know, Kevin, you know, a lot of people that make money in esports, right? Mm-hmm. It's what you do. But go out to the general public and say, hey, do you know someone that's a doctor? And 98% of people personally know a doctor or personally know a dentist or an accountant or a mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. But if you go to someone and you say, hey, who do you know that makes money in gaming and esports personally that you could text message them right now? And very few people are ever going to say they know someone. So for most people in the industry, the perception or outside of the industry, the perception is that it is vapor. It's not real. I don't have a tangible. If you want to be an accountant, I know what you need to do, right? Mm. Go to school, do this, do that, and go through these internships or whatever. If I say, hey, you want to be a a video producer in the world of esports, where do you go, right? Go to a a typical video production school. Why is there really connection there? And so, but the focus being so much on players and streamers by the outside world, because that's the topic of discussion, it's really vapor. You know, how do you, we know how, if someone wants to be a pro ball player and they have the genetics, we know what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You want to be a pro player and you have the abilities and genetics and, and capacity to do it. We don't, people don't know what to tell you or don't know what to look for. So it doesn't seem real. So therefore they drop the value of the opportunity. They don't value the opportunity the way they would something else. And that's the problem. Now in, in years down the road, that proposition, that valuation will be very different of, of society's perception of it. But that's the biggest problem we face right now. And again, it's two-sided. People that want to have opportunities have got to treat this like a business. They've got to treat it professionally. And the people that see it need to see that happening responsibly and then things will change significantly. No, I agree. It's just, it's a, a definite hurdle that we'll have to overcome the next uh, few years. Obviously, I think this decade of 2020 will be probably the most pivotal point for esports uh, for the next you know 50 years or so going on, which is crazy to think about. You know, esports in 50 years or so is going to be a completely different yep. industry. But yep. that's neither here nor there right now. Um, curiously, right now, I want to get into the gist of the great esports street tour the your your latest trek your endeavor your journey to kind of meet people like you said who make money within the industry or, or or hopeful to and i'm just curious what was your your main motivation in embarking on a journey like this was it just to share the stories so twofold number one is that we know in the digital age today that that we the commodity that we exchange that we trade in the digital world is attention mm-hmm. right those with the attention 
garner opportunity or they attract opportunity and opportunity brings money. That's the bottom line. If I said to people that, you know, love or hate Ninja, um, you know, Tyler has a massive following. And so anything he would do to a degree is going to be successful because simply of the amount of eyeballs that are watching him and know who he is. And that's why he gets these big endorsements and, you know, why he was offered a contract at Mixer, all those kinds of things. If you're anonymous and I mean, no one knows who you are, right? Then you're irrelevant no matter how good you are. You're not valuable as an influencer. You're not valuable in terms of opportunity that will come your way. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or not valuable as a human being. It just means that attention is the key factor. And so, you know, if you take branding, if you go the Gary Vaynerchuk kind of route, you talk about the importance of branding and attention in the digital social world. Then my first concept was, you know, relatively before ever doing any of this, no one knows who I am. I'm still a relative nobody. And so one of the major problems is that in order to have a development process, you've got to have some result credibility, right? Or you've got to have some influence of who you are to bring attention to what you're doing and build that credibility. Well, Delta V didn't really have either of those because very few people have a start to finish, you know, um, development, talent development opportunity that says, yeah, we've done this for this many years. Look at these people in the industry. So the easy thing to do was very passionate for me was to be able to go out and say, because I'm a very pragmatic person. I want to be able to demonstrate, not from my experience, but I want to go out and tell the stories of people like yourself, Kevin, making money in esports. Let them share how they did it, how they got there. And with that, then you can take from that person, you can listen and learn, connect with that person, and then apply, right? And know that they're here. Here's an established example of how someone got there, and you can reverse engineer it. I'm a big reverse engineer guy what they've done and kind of develop if you need to do it on your own, a pathway. So it's not me. It's kind of like, um, is it Kevin Blanchard and the other guy that wrote chicken soup for the soul? Yeah. You know, he, they didn't write a single thing. I mean, they collected stories from all over the world that were very uh, motivational, inspirational and instructional. And so the great Esports street tour combines two things. I, I deeply love people. I love engaging with them. I love hearing their stories. I'm the guy in the, in this, in the, you know, the checkout line that's going to talk to the person there, you know, doing my stuff for like 10 minutes and get in trouble with my wife. She's like, can we just go? I love hearing people's <laughs> stories. And so I want to bring to light the people that are doing it and how they got there and share that around the world. Now, I don't know that anyone's ever done this before. It's a pretty bold thing. But with that, by the end of the year, I would expect, um, and this is kind of the real value for people that are that want to come on board as sponsors, is that we're going to have millions of eyeballs on, Not it's not me. I don't, I don't have an ego in this. I'm 58 years old, Kevin. <laughs> I know my place in life. I've got a wonderful family. I, listen, I, I don't need any you know ego strokes or pats on the back here. What I'm deeply passionate about is making this connection of a reality of how people are doing things in the world of, of esports and and making it and sharing that so that it's a practical opportunity for people to, to be able to reverse engineer it. In the end, I guarantee you, and, and I make these statements, and please understand, you know, people that know me know that I really don't have an ego in this, but I will be the most watched most influential person in esports talent development in the world. And it's not because it's like, ooh, hey, street, wow, you know, you're so awesome. It has to do with the fact that someone, I want to leverage that attention and, and opportunity that comes with it and the money that comes with it for the benefit legacy-wise of the millions upon millions of people that want to have a career here. So it's most people right now just don't want to take on that role because you put yourself out there like that, 
You know, there's also the side that you're going to get hammered. I mean, you know, it's it's like, and what what is kind of funny though is I get very little negative feedback or commentary on anything I do because I'm never I don't I'm not trying to be controversial. I just want to connect the world of gaming and esports opportunities with the people that are there. So that's the that's the I mean on the selfish side I love to travel. Uh, I love people. I'm going to get to meet a lot of amazing people I already have, and uh, and it's going to be for the right purpose in my mind. For the record, for for folks out there who don't know, uh, I have met Rob in person before. We did meet up at the at a, at a quick little Dallas, uh, I guess, MV Gaming HQ like tour that we that they had over there. I had a chance to meet Rob there. The camera's not lying to you. Rob looks, he is actually 58 years old. I didn't, I didn't believe it myself. I was like, this guy's not 50. He looks, look at him. He's young with a beard. I, I, he's got to be like, what, 40, 38. I couldn't believe you're 58. I was like, that, that's- I appreciate that. I appreciate I'm the weirdo guy that, that's always wanted to be older. So it's funny for me because anyone that knows me in my life, 60 to 80 are the best years of my life. I've always looked forward to that. So maybe the, if there isn't a youthful look, it's only because I just love youth. And anyway, I appreciate that. No, you look good. That's all I'm saying. The CrossFit worked out for you, and I'm, I'm hopeful in the next few years it'll work out for me. But we'll see. But uh, anyways, I, I, let's, let's talk about this great esports street tour a little bit more. How, do, how does it work? How, what, what the, the logistics behind it? How does this work? Do you contact people like online and then meet up with them later on? Or do you find maybe certain esports destinations and find people there? It's, it's, it's kind of a mix. It's all over the map. I mean, it's, it's very fluid and very flexible. So I watch for events that are happening. Um, and I then I have a lot of people that reach out to me. So right now we have um, probably probably over 30 countries with people there that are looking forward or waiting for me to get there to tell their stories, kind of showcase what they're doing and highlight that. So I have a lot of people that reach out. I try to watch for what's happening in terms of events, right? Big events. I want to be there. Um, because that's a collective of a lot of great people. And then sometimes the people I'll reach out. Most of it is, has been people reaching out to me or connecting or commenting on, on content. The, the logistics side of it too is, um, this is, this is a, this is kind of a new, uh, you know, no one's really done this at the scale that I want to do this at. So the other side of it is, um, we, we still have to get the rest of our sponsors, um, so that this can be funded worldwide. Uh, and so we're working really hard on that. And that still even keeps it, um, you know, kind of fluid. Like, you know, while we're working with the budget that we have right now, we'll do everything that we can. And then as it grows, we'll be able to do much, much more. It's, um, but it, yeah, it's really, I get people that just simply want to connect um, and would love people. Are, I'm going to tell you this, Kevin, you know, this, you do, you do a podcast. People love to tell their stories. They do. They do. And so when you combine that with a lot of people who are passionate about their industry and they feel like they can get a highlight from something they're doing because of this as, as our, as my audience grows, um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's easy to find people to get in front of. So I'm, I'm curious now, obviously we talked about the logistics. Uh, how many people in total do you think you've already talked to and how many oh, cities have visited? How many countries? I mean, what's, what's the, what's the number we're looking at right now? Well, we are technically, I'll, I'll tell so technically we haven't, I would say we've kind of beta started the tour. So I've been here in the U.S. Um, and, and primarily in, in uh, this region of the country where I live here in the Metroplex in Dallas-Fort Worth. So we, we really haven't even fully embarked um, on the tour. We haven't been overseas yet. I've been to um, probably 10 or 12 states. Um, I've talked to so far you know, even in the short term, because most of it's been planning, and like I said, very beta. But I would say in the last couple of months, I've probably talked with, um, 
four or 500 people. I've done wow. content on a bunch of them. Um, I haven't. So a lot of times I'll do, I'll have conversations when I say that it's at scale. It's when we talk about actually running full speed at the tour, um, it will be by the time we get back, let me just give you an example. I imagine that we will have done content. Um, my, my intention is to, to talk to um, 10,000 people worldwide. Wow. And so in those 10,000 people, you know, could we pull out three, four or 5,000 pieces of, of, of content from those people or all 10,000, you know, the, the content that I share was really, we're fully ramped up will be anywhere from 30 to 80 pieces of content a day um, across all platforms. And so, and then by the end of it, I, I, in a year, I imagine realistically, I end up setting really strong goals and objectives. I don't like goals I actually like objectives. <laughs> um, I, I envision over the course of the year though, we will have probably stopped at somewhere between 75 and a hundred countries. Wow. Um, and then come back and then and we will have had by that time millions and millions of eyes following us um so we're very as young as esports is as an industry in terms of the world the great esports street tour is very young we're still very beta we're you know working out more of the details and so when we complete all the sponsorships and get all the rest of that we just go full speed uh for the next uh 12 months wow so that's absolutely insane. 10,000 people. It's a, it's a, a, a what's it called? A, a lofty objective for you. And I, I mean, you've already talked to four or 500 people in the past few months. So I'm assuming this is going to be cake for you. Uh, but you talked about attention earlier, like leveraging attention and, and really kind of using that to your benefit. So what is, is one of the main, I guess, objectives for this tour? Is it to give different perspectives to an industry insider or is it to kind of bring attention to people who might not understand what esports is? Who are you trying to cater this to? Is it more towards the people who know what esports is or the people who are kind of interested or you know curious or, or intrigued about it? It's both. From the people that are in the industry, I think there needs to be, again, like I mentioned, a perception change, mm -hmm. a shift in attention. As an example of the industry insiders, right now, you know, there are there, most teams, most professional esports teams are in the red financially, right? They're just burning through sponsorship dollars and whatnot. Um, and so they are refocusing. Even when I was talking with like, the, you know, Will at Envy and, and other people in the industry right now, there's re they're refocusing their efforts from just winning tournaments, right? And, and prize money as their revenue source to much more entertainment value. FaZe Clan's done an amazing job of that. 100 Thieves with, you know, with Matt, Nate Shots doing a great job of that. More teams are looking for ways to have content creators and creative value there. So that's a perception shift, right? Mm -hmm. Because now the valuation of esports teams has come back to real world and these investors that have put in billions over the course of the last few years want to return and they've got to find ways to generate revenue so in the inside that's one part of it on the other side of it from the outsiders yes it absolutely has to be a change in perception of the reality of what these opportunities are so for let me give you an example mm -hmm. so let's let's talk you kevin yes if i go to someone and i and and, and I, I interview you and that content goes out and people say, wow, Kevin makes money in esports. This is his talent is in doing podcasts. He's very good at it. This is how he got there. This is what it means. And then, you know, Johnny, who is 14 years old and happens to have a love and thinks that podcasts are the greatest thing, goes to mom and dad and says, hey, look at this story about Kevin. This is how he got there. This is what I want to do. And and then you put together a realistic plan. This is a real person that did it. This is a real person that uh, is making it currently right now. And so 
it makes it simple. It gives ammunition and validity, if you will, to the people that don't understand this industry. Look at it this way. Back when basketball was start, or let's take baseball. When baseball was first an opportunity to be a professional sport and they were making $400 a season or whatever the heck it was, right? How many people just thought that they were lunatics for wanting to go play this game? Quite right? a few. <laughs> and who knew it would turn into something like it turned into? Well, it's the same thing here. It's just parents and people in society just want people to be, you know, happy, successful, contributing members of society. These stories are going to be the ammunition to validate why they want to do it from people that have actually gotten there. And so these stories you, you mentioned, I, 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 I've already heard a few of them just kind of based on your, your posts on, on certain little spaces here and there. Personally speaking, from your perspective, right, what has so far been one of the most memorable, memorable stories of the journey? What has been something that you, you, you talk to one person, you, will, you go, wow, this is something life-changing, earth-shattering. I love this story so much, and I can't wait to share it. What, what moment has – I know you're still in beta phase with, with, the, with the tour, but so far in this phase, what has kind of impacted you the most? Wow. Um, that's a really, that, that's a, that's a tough question. That's a good one. Um, there, I would say, let me answer it this way. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, I get, I I'm contacted and have people reach out to me from around the world every day throughout the day. And, um, I, one thing that really stood out to me was as a collective of the content that I'm putting out, this young man in Cameroon, uh, in North Africa reached out to me and said, you have inspired me to want to to create development opportunities in my country and and i and and thank you and just went on and on and on about i even did a piece about him um and i haven't met him in person yet it's it's those kinds of things on the back end where people who will be doing amazing things are finding inspiration and motivation and clarity of how to get there and they share that you know at the end of the day it's it's you know, all the amazing things with the people that improve their relationships. And, and like I mentioned before, mental health struggles and the people that find belonging. Um, there are, it would be tough to say of the stories that I've told so far or those that I've met uh, um, to pick one out that is anything less than inspiring. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people that are in esports just to exploit it, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be this big industry and I just want to make money and, and okay, well, that's fine. But it's the kind of stories like this young man in Cameroon, you know, the ones that I have, you know, people in South Africa waiting. I have people in, in, you know, Ireland and Scotland and people that want to do great things. And they'll be part of eventually as we expand Delta V part of that family as well. Um, that's really, it, it's these, it's these, the people that can make the connection to the reality of, of the opportunity that they want to pursue in a very pragmatic way. It's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's heartwarming. That's, that's the whole purpose of it. So my last kind of uh, question about this tour, it's kind of twofold. So I'll, I'll let you kind of handle it however you'd like to. You've already planned out the beginning of the tour, kind of like once you get out of the beta phase into this actual full-fledged version 1.0, what kind of ending do you see for the tour, if at all? And what kind of legacy do you hope it will leave so that's very simple. It's very well thought out for the next 30 years. I have a very clear, I'm, I'm very methodical. I don't do things that are whimsical, although it seems like I can be very fluid. So it's this, 
the, the 12 months after the tour, I come back, I reopen an alpha facility for Delta V. We open six Delta V affiliate locations around the country. I then go back overseas for the next year, open up six to 12 around the, around the globe. And then it's going to be a circle of coming back to the U.S., opening more affiliates, growing those, going back overseas. I actually don't see for the next 10 years me doing much of anything but traveling around supporting the growth and expansion of these these development uh, facilities, you know, these affiliates, because I'm modeling the CrossFit world. So then by the end of 30 years, we have 15 to 25,000 uh, affiliates worldwide helping people develop skill sets, you know, in that way in esports development, opp- opportunity development. And it's just going to be that circle. So the plan right now is just continue to leverage. I don't want to pull back from – the 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 attention opportunity development right so if i can be that person and that's because i don't have a lot of skills kevin i'm not like a super <laughs> incredibly talented guy but i do have an incredible work ethic and i do have a will i have a thick skin so i'm happy to get out and be that front runner right uh to keep that momentum going until i feel satisfied you know that that society views it correctly that the people who want it understand that there is a legitimate pragmatic pathway to get to where they want to go and then providing those tools to make that happen so i envision the great esports street tour probably never end well not never i mean the next 20 years um by the time i'm 80 you know 22 years i'll move on and do other things in the world (laughs) would be my plan but yeah the great esports street tour i actually envision it being just a rotation um around the world Nice. And so you'll be traveling a lot during that time. I'm sure that will kind of lead you to answer this next question, which is kind of even more whimsical. Um, so obviously, based on your current experience, working, talking to people around the, go- around the globe and, and hearing their stories within this esports uh, kind of industry, where do you see us going in five to 10 years? Is it going to be a more you know creator-based model than we're seeing now? Is it going to be something where the games are literally the sport? I mean, what do you think in five to 10 years will be the future of esports? Um, that, that's a, yeah, that's, man, if I had a crystal ball, but, but I'll, I'll tell you some things that I think, and we can look back in five years and, let <laughs> see, and replay this and see if I was even close to right. Um, I think there's going to be a massive evolution in terms of, um, the way we consume experiences, right? Live events are always, always, always going to be around because we love the human interaction. We just like to be there. But I believe that live streaming, live, what I call engage entertainment. Okay. So we consume entertainment right now. We, you know, we, we consume Netflix, YouTube, TikTok, you know, whatever it is, we consume it. Um, but in, but live streaming activity is an engaging consumption, right? It's engage entertainment. And I'm going to see, here's what I would say. I'm going to see esports become very much more creative on the creative side, this merging of providing very entertaining competitive content. Um, meaning I think you're going to see an evolution where like right now, if you take a lot of players around the world, they're not really good in front of the camera. So when they do press conferences and they win a tournament, they're like, you know, really shy. You're going to see that dramatically change. You're going to see places like that will take a phase clan kind of experience or a hundred thieves. You're going to have players that are also incredibly entertaining and they're going to, there's going to be a huge focus on that. So what will happen is financially for the industry to really survive and will thrive. I mean, very quickly, you're going to see much more, engaging kind of entertainment in everything that's done. And because as a society, we are, we thrive on entertainment, right? We're completely scrolling up with our thumbs endlessly on TikTok. We watch hours of YouTube. We listen to amazing podcasts. We, we want to be entertained, but it'll be a new level. I think there will be a lot more live content as bandwidth increases. And obviously 5G 
is going to be a, a significant breakthrough. The only other thing I would say on that is that you're going to see in the next five years a massive growth of uh, mobile gaming. Yes. You know, it's happening in India right now. Um, I, I talk with people all the time and I tell them, look, and you're in what you're doing, whether you're a land center, you're, you know, whatever it is, you should start incorporating mobile gaming, you know, get some mobile community things, activities together. So mobile, if 5G really, when it really becomes a thing, which it's not yet, um, will be a major player in that. But mobile gaming opens up the world. Too many times in the industry, we look in our little specific niche, you know, in the U.S., in this area, in this, but you got to look globally, and so I see in the next five years, the basic foundations for massive global attention and awareness is going to be laid. And then that growth will, will happen from there. So that's what I see happening. More engaged, you know, engaged entertainment, a lot more mobile gaming and a, and a foundation of a, a global approach. Apt Observation Street, I appreciate you coming on and, and really giving us your unique perspective that I, I love. I always love hearing unique perspectives. And you bring on one of the most unique ones I've seen for a long while. And so obviously, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And I, and I think, uh, obviously you'll, you'll, you'll do great things with this tour. And I can't wait to see what you do with it. And I can't wait to see all the content you post from it. And, and honestly, you're going to last like another 50, 40 years, man. Let's be honest. You're going to. Love to be past 100. I'm going to be like 108. That's it. That's the goal. 108. 108. I'm, I'm going to be like a 102 year old just looking at you like, what is what is going on right now? This guy's like way. He's like 150 years old going to the moon at this point. Talking esports still. But I appreciate you coming on. And then just for people out there who want to visit, get to know you a little bit more. StreetTalkWeeder.com, I believe, is a good website. If from there, you can go to YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. And of course, you can visit DeltaVEsports.com for more information on them. But straight any last words here before i kick you off the show and uh, <laughs> listen just a thank you really a heartfelt thank you for what you're doing kevin you know when you're bringing opportunities you know to light for people you're talking to the people that are doing it thank you thank you so much for continuing to do that and last thing we're getting together i'm gonna do some content with you we're gonna we're gonna highlight what you got going on well, i'm not gonna say no to that i always love uh getting you know like you said you put somebody in front of a microphone they'll talk to your head off for hours about anything their story your story whatever they'll talk to you about it but straight thank you for coming on the show one last time and uh, i really can't wait to see what you do with this with this tour thank you so anyways he is street taco eater delta v esports founder director of the great esports street tour and i'm kevin correa right here on the esports network podcast 